girl. Welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm an entrepreneur obsessed with giving you actual tools to help take you from where you are now to where you want to go in your life, career, and relationships. And this podcast is all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, buckle on up. Today's episode is such a juicy one. We have back on the show my girl, Ashley Stahl. And if you don't know her backstory, you are going to love her. This episode is so tactical and she gives a lot of really tangible advice that you can actually implement to build a career that you love and to figure out what your skill set is and what's actually aligned for you. And it's really going to help if you're lacking clarity or you're asking yourself like what's right for me or what's next for me. But if you're not familiar with Ashley. She's got a really cool backstory. So she was in counterterrorism and then she became a highly sought after career coach. And she's also a Forbes blogger. She's a podcaster of the podcast U-Turn and a best-selling author of the book U-Turn, which is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction and designing your dream career. And what's so cool is this year, she also stepped into helping 50 women write and actually land TED Talks because she's got this incredible ability to help you craft your story as an employee or as an entrepreneur. And we break that down really tactically in today's episode. And honestly, I just think you're really going to love this because we deep dive into building your dream career. We talk about pivots and navigating this really interesting concept of contribution versus passion, building your own personal brand, the importance of finding things that actually light you up and feel aligned for you and following your gut. And honestly, if you're in a transition season or you are really lacking clarity of your next step or what's actually going to feel right for you in your career or in your business, this episode is going to be your jam. And I'm very excited to let you know that she will also be speaking at Empower Her Live, our event for this podcast community. Picture literally hundreds of women that also listen into the show from all across the country and even globe together physically in a room. And Ashley is going to be doing a workshop that's really going to help you tactically break down what is next for you. Because everybody's different. You've got different skills and different desires and dreams on your heart. And she has just this beautiful way of breaking it down in a way that I can't do. It's just so tactical and so simple and implementable. So you're going to love this. If you have not yet snagged your ticket to Empower Her Live, Right now, literally head over to EmpowerHerLive2023.com, snag that ticket, join us, get physically in this room, get around women that understand your vision, that want to take their good life and go for great, and get around women like Ashley that are going to blow your freaking mind with the way that they teach. It's just so powerful, and I'm so excited to have her as part of this year's event, and I can't wait to hear what you think of today's episode. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Ashley. Oh, girl, I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. I feel like you're the best friend I never had. Like, I just need you. (laughs) I just feel like we're about to vibe. Like, for women all across the world that are listening to this episode, maybe they're walking their dog or they're in the grocery store, they're in the shower, and they're just like, they're about ready to feel like they're sitting with two girlfriends and having a juicy combo. 
So yeah. where I want to start with this, because there's so many directions mm-hmm. we can go, but I want to start with like this alignment piece. So yeah. a lot of women in this community have done something for a while and then internally, like maybe they get this like visceral feeling that they want to do something different, but they've spent a lot of time doing something else mm-hmm. and they feel like they're known for that thing. Mm-hmm. Or they're in a career that makes sense. Maybe on paper it's good, but they feel this like tug at their heartstrings that they want a great version of their life. So can yeah. you walk us through high level, like career wise? Because what you've done and what you're doing now, it's drastically different. So yeah. start us back where you feel yeah. appropriate to start us. <laughs> no, I, I love this question because you know I feel like what we're doing to people is the equivalent of as a society of saying like your first crush in preschool, you need to marry them. Like that's what we're doing. And with our career and it's like who we are moves, our purpose moves every seven years, our cells regenerate and we have a different body that we're working out of Mm -hmm. our taste buds change. And so this pressure that we're putting on ourselves to be consistent in our careers, to be linear in it is not human. Um, and I think one of the most painful things that we could do to ourselves is try to be someone else. Um, and so I think the sooner we can accept that our purpose moves, the better. For me, I started my career in counterterrorism. And I know some of you who maybe have listened to episodes from the past have heard about me doing that. Um, I did everything right to get there, right? Like I got the awards, I did the internships. Um, but what I learned is that there's always a way to tell your story from your past experience and make sense of it for your future. And that's your job, whether you get support in it or not, that's your Mm -hmm. job. So if you ever want to make a pivot, I think the first step is to say to yourself, what is my core skill set? And Keisha and I did a whole episode on that. So I remember that episode with you was so great talking about your skills, um, wrote a whole book about that. But I think once you know what your gift is, the question is, how else do you want to be using it? And how can you communicate about how you've used it in a past that's relevant for the future? So that's the first thing. I think yes. the second thing is realizing we live in a very different world. Um, the millennial generation did poly work, which is defined as having multiple jobs um, mm-hmm. to keep their lights on, right? Like they were paying for their student loans. Gen Z has been super interesting with poly work. They're taking on multiple jobs to express themselves. And I'm seeing, so let's say you're interested in film. Maybe you want to do production. It's like taking three different part-time jobs with different nuances of production to self-actualize and figure out which one you want to do. So I think the experimentation that happens in poly work is really powerful for people who are thinking about pivoting, but they're not sure. Um, And remember, your resume is a marketing document. It's not a place that you have to regurgitate everything you've ever done. Just because Mm -hmm. you've had a job does not mean it has to be on your resume. So if you have three part-time jobs and you don't want to put all of them on there, you can pick which one is most relevant for where you decide you're going. So I think the thing I want to wake people up to the most is this idea of experimentation. This idea of backing up is not backing down in your career. Like you can sidestep, you can experiment, you can have a moment. Um, and I think some of the most powerful careers that I'm seeing have come out of my practice after all these years of career coaching has been people who are not afraid to enter an experimental portal with themselves. Yeah. So to the woman listening into this, who has like a, you know, a W2 job and she, yeah. let's just say she works in marketing. Okay. And her name is Sarah. I'm just making it up. Yeah. And hey, Sarah. she's, <laughs> Hey Sarah. And she's feeling this feeling of like, I have no idea. Like I hear you actually have like this idea of like 
maybe having like something on the side or like another stream yeah. of fulfillment we talk often about on the podcast. How does she even know what to pick on the side to start with? If she's telling herself the story of I've done this, but I don't even know what I want. That's the story she's telling herself. Yeah. Like, where does she, like, how does she completely unpack drawing that? A blank. Yeah. yeah. When you're drawing a blank, the first line of business is not to go grab onto something else. So a couple points. Number one is yeah. that, and we could talk about that. Number two is, your pur- like we said, your purpose moves. I don't mm-hmm. believe your career is where your purpose belongs. And I think this is a very different way for a career expert to look at it. I think yeah. that's a lot of pressure. When you're a new mother, Keisha, your purpose is going to be in motherhood. You know, mm-hmm. I think your career is a place to contribute and there's a lot of purpose and contribution. And so I think the first matter of business when you're feeling cut off, when you're feeling unclear is to get back into your body. Like I said in my TED talk, there's 200 million neurons in a cat or dogs or in a, in your second gut in your second brain. Um, that's the size of a cat or dog's brain. So it's important for you to really tune into when you have butterflies, when your stomach sinks, how your physical is responding to your environments and to protect yourself and to take care of yourself. Um, And so I think taking note of where you feel a sense of expansion and where you feel a sense of contraction is incredibly important. So if you're feeling cut off, I think the worst thing you could put yourself through is what job title do I want? I think Mm -hmm. it's the wrong question. I think the real question to ask yourself is how do I get back into my body? Because you can't really feel what's a yes or no for you when you're cut off. Um, And so the question is what uniquely brings you back? What uniquely makes you you? For me, it's putting my feet in the sand by the ocean. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I'm having an off day, I go to the beach with my journal and it really does something for me. Um, It's friends. Like I'm so picky with my close women in my life and they mean so much to me. They bring me back. So I think for anyone listening, it's an invitation to come back to yourself, come back home to yourself and say, what are the people, places, things, and friends that make me me? And let me give myself permission over the next few months to do that. If you're in a job that's making you miserable and you're up against the wall, crunch some actual numbers. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people get stuck in like, I need to make money. And it's like this sweeping umbrella of a concept, but it's like, get into the numbers. How much money do you need to make to pay your bills? Yeah. How much do you actually need to make? And how soon can you surrender to that? Because maybe the answer is you get something part-time to actually pay your bills and meet your needs there while you just give your soul a minute to breathe. Um, I don't think that we work as, you know, going from one purpose to the next. There's always an in-between period And to expect that we're going to go from answer to answer versus answer to question to answer is is just not a human experience. I really appreciate you talking about that because, you know, it's so easy for someone listening into this to get caught up in like your behind the scenes, looking at somebody else's carefully curated content on social media where they look like they're going from answer to answer and not sharing about like how also painful, like it's one thing to like have your journal and have your feet in the sand or to have this like space that you create for you to go on a walk with a good girlfriend. But also can we talk about how uncomfortable it feels in the question stage too? Yeah. I know for me, there's been some real ugly cries with like snot mascara getting in my mouth, choking, sitting on my bathroom floor being like, what the F is the answer? Because I think we are programmed to want to go to the next answer and get out of pain as quickly as possible. So how do you, 
manage yourself in those question seasons and even like women that you've worked with and friends of yours, even that you've supported mm-hmm. through that question season when it honestly feels kind of shitty if we're being really honest yeah. about it, right? It does. It does. Yeah. I think there's things you could be doing for your future self all the time mm. and it can be on the periphery of your career. So if you feel lukewarm, that's an invitation. Don't wait until you're miserable. And I think that's one of the most um, challenging things that I watch is people wait until they're miserable to step into the unknown and make a change. Mm. I'm saying if you're lukewarm, grab something on the side that's stimulating to you. It doesn't have to be money generating. So for me, last year I took a meditation certification course. It was just something I was curious about. I was thinking like, is this something I want to do in my business? Is there? Do I want to offer meditations on my podcast? Do I want to write a book about meditation? I don't know, but I felt pulled towards it. Um, this year I'm doing, like I was telling you on our DMs, Keisha, my weird herbalism thing. I'm literally becoming a certified witch (laughs) and I'm going to Colorado living on a farm for three weeks with a botanist and I'm looking at herbs with him and I have a 300 hour certification on herbs. So I feel like that was I'm the best. You were like, Keisha, I'm going to be in Denver and I'm going to be living on a farm for three weeks. And I was like, what the app? <laughs> okay, great. Right. But, but the point though, Ashley, is like anything to anyone listening into this, like obviously if you're a mom of two and you're working a full-time corporate job, you maybe can't come to Colorado and become a botanist for three weeks, yeah. but you can ask yourself, what am I mildly curious about? Too, yeah. that could be another stream of fulfillment. It could be a dance class. It could be a meditation class. It could be learning about Reiki. It could be whatever it is, yeah. right? And I think, yeah. like, do you think it's because we put so much pressure on ourselves that we feel stuck in that? Or like, yeah. where do you think that comes Absolutely. from? Absolutely. First of all, yeah. not every artist is meant to make their art into their work. So I think this experimentation mm. is all the more important. Um, secondly, I think it's like, it's a different energy when you go into something asking yourself, how can I use this versus does this resonate for me? How do I feel about this? Um, I also want to talk about personal branding because I think that's one of the most powerful things you can do in that portal of the unknown. Yeah. And obviously anyone listening is probably going to say, how can I create a personal brand if I don't know what I want to do next? So I think it's about remembering that an audience is going to become devoted to you. And being a personal brand doesn't mean you're becoming an influencer. It just means you're creating your reputation online. And so I would ask yourself, where do you feel like you have the best content? Where do you feel like you have the most to say? And if you don't know the answer to that, ask people in your life that love you. Where do you, where do they feel like you add the most value? Where do they feel like you're the most gifted or talented? Um, remembering that you can change your personal brand anytime. Um, And there's also umbrellas to different concepts, right? Like if I look at meditation, the umbrella for that is wellness. So maybe I just want to start with the umbrella of what I'm into and not just Mm -hmm. niche down into the one thing. Um, And also remembering the internet is like a bunch of islands, right? I have a Forbes column with 700 blog posts. That's an island. And I've been building it for over a decade. Mm-hmm. I've got my email list. That's my island, right? And that's been over decades as well. My podcast, my book. Same with Keisha and same with a lot of you listening. We all have these different islands that we've built ourselves on on the internet. So I think the question for you is, what is your gift? What can you talk about until you're blue in the face? And can you commit to starting to master one island on the internet, one space to start providing value? And I'm actually big on going wide and not deep. So let's say you want to write blog posts. I would say make a list of blogs that are out there and rank them mm-hmm. from lowest to highest hanging fruit. Meaning like maybe the, you know, if you're a new mother and you want to write for mom blogs about momming it up, you know, yeah. um, 
then you want to rank like which of these mom blogs seem the easiest to get to. Um, a couple other questions to ask yourself is what are their contributor guidelines? Some blogs are going to say, you know, email our editor direct, and then you need to hop on LinkedIn, figure out their name, figure out their email, send them an email. Some mm-hmm. blogs are going to say upload a blog post and you're just going to submit a blog post. And a tip for that would be to follow up after a couple of weeks. If you don't hear back, letting them know you'd like to use that content for another outlet. If you don't hear back, that usually puts a fire under them to post it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many different ways to create a brand, but I think just committing and going wide and not deep. So once you write a few blog posts for your first mom blog, maybe you want to move on to the next one and use that one as traction to kind of create a press avalanche. Um, and one thing I was talking to you about Keisha the most is the Ted Island. That's like my favorite Island for personal branding, because I just think it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. What's, what's interesting too about that is I feel like it gives permission to the listener right now of like, we don't have to make it so complicated because sometimes when we're starting something new, it's like, we we're like, okay, I'm interested in this, or I'm mildly curious about this. Let me start this. And then we, because we're scared to jump into the unknown, just like primarily our brains, obviously, but it's like, we're scared to do that. So we catastrophize. We're like, let's, this is going to be so complicated. This is going to be so hard for me to start. I have no time. And then whatever we say, our, you know, our brain looks for information to support that to be true. So then we stay in this. So I feel like the way that you described that too, is like, there's so many very tactical things. And you are a tactical machine with all these tips and things that people can do. And I love that about you, but also I love just like the essence of it is like, let's just start with something because that progress, like as humans, we love progress. We love feeling like we're making traction. We also get that dopamine hit from doing that tiny little thing to get going in the right direction. And, you know, I think it's really beautiful, even just from like your personal experience and how you built your career is like, I mean, we started the beginning of this, like you were in counter terrorism. <laughs> like, yeah. That is completely different yeah. than what you're doing now. So can yeah. you tell like us, like kind of how you went from counter terrorism to career yeah. coaching, to be an author, a contributor of Forbes, writing Ted talk, like all this stuff that you're doing now, like where did that yeah. jump happen? And also maybe even dig into the feeling that it felt when you were doing something that made sense on paper but then you're right. like, you're kind of getting tugged in a different direction. Like, what did that feel like right. when you were in it? Yeah. You know, I actually, it's so funny because when you talk about being tugged, I think that the thing I want everyone to remember is we know what we know and we spend all day trying not to know it sometimes. So it, it, you can call it a tug, but I feel like it's a two by four for most people. Most people yeah, that's true. are very smart, right? Like we know we're in the wrong spot. And so the question that I ask anyone listening today is, when do you want to rip the Band-Aid? Because if tears are going to be cried, wouldn't you rather cry the tears this year and be happy next week versus waiting to cry the tears next year? Um, And so I think when it comes to making changes, I've always known in my soul, like, oh, I've made the wrong choice. I need to course correct. If you ask any successful person about their journey, Most of them have had pretty big transition points, pretty big rock bottoms, pretty big failures. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think success and fulfillment comes down to knowing the answers. I think it's about your relationship with failure, your relationship with trying things on. And that's why I was so big on saying like, can you just make some cash part-time and be experimental for a while? Um, And what story are you telling yourself about it? Um, So kind of speaking about my career transitions, I remember when I was in counterterrorism, you know, there were so many reasons I got into the wrong career. Number one, 
I thought that I was going to be using my writing skills because I was writing a lot of intelligence reports. Fast forward 10 years, I wrote a whole book about, you know, the message being don't do what you love, do what you are. Yeah. So the whole book is about how do you figure out who you are? And what I realized is that when I got into counterterrorism, when I got into intelligence analysis, I thought, oh, amazing. I'm a words person. I'm great at writing. I get to write all day. What I didn't realize is I was analyzing. That's a very different skill than creative writing. So I think the first thing to understand is a lot of us misunderstand our skill set. We start to tie functions and jobs and tasks to the skill we think we have. You have to remember that who you are always wins. The truth of who you are is always going to shine through. So if you're doing something that doesn't sync up with that, you're going to know it already. And so if you make the choice to face it, which for me in counterterrorism, I was like, I have no choice but to face this. I'm not going to go be Carrie Matheson in Homeland. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't travel to another scary place and have a gun. Like, it's just not me. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget this moment. I got an award for my work in counterterrorism. And my dad flew into DC for the ceremony and I had an intelligence assignment in Istanbul. And it was such a weird time for me because I knew the career wasn't right for me. And yet I was getting all these acknowledgements for that career. So I was building myself in that career. I met this beautiful woman, this woman named Sarah. She walks in, she's like this black, like skin tone, empowered, like radiant being. And I came up to her. I'm like, who are you? And she said to me, her name's Sarah Hill, where she's like, I just spoke at TEDxUN last week. And I was like, man, I would love to do that someday. And then we kind of had a different conversation. And as I left and got in my cab, she looked at me and she smiled. And it was almost like a cartoon, like her her tooth like twinkled like a cartoon, you know, like ding. <laughs> and she's like, I bet you'll get a TED Talk soon. And she was like, ding. And I remember um, getting into my cab, going to the airport, landing in Istanbul, A few days later, I was in a protest. There was tear gas in my eye. I could hear prayers coming from the mosque down the street. I was in like a complete upheaval. It was 2012. And I'm hiding in the Grand Spice Bazaar to block tear gas from getting in my eyes because I couldn't see. And I'm holding my phone just sitting there thinking like this has to be over. I'm hearing the prayers in the air. And I get a text message. And it's this girl, Sarah. Hi, Ashley. Um, I recommended you for a TED Talk, and I'm pretty sure that they're going to reach out to you. So, you know, I'm really happy for you. I hope that that goes well. I remember like reading through my foggy eyes, being like, how am I supposed to talk about anything? Like, I'm not a speaker. I've never been on a stage before. I'm 23, 24 years old. I don't even have a, st- a story to tell. Like, I'm I'm a mess. Like, I don't even like what I'm doing. And next thing I know, they emailed me and they said, hey, we need your speaking reel. I'm like, what is a speaking reel? I Googled <laughs> speaking reel. And I'm in the hotel. And I'm, they were like, we would love for you to do a TED Talk about counterterrorism. Because, you know, it's like a fascinating topic before we found bin Laden. That was such a big topic in the United States, Al-Qaeda. Yeah. And I had studied them, went to graduate school about it. So I'm sitting in my hotel in Istanbul and I prop my iPhone up against the wall and I make up a speech for a minute because I don't even know what a speaking reel is. I'm like, here's me speaking. And it looks like a mugshot video. Like I am like <laughs> in this weird, not nice hotel. And I'm like, hello, everyone. I'm Ashley Stahl. And today I'm an, I don't even know what I did. It's I've literally blacked <laughs> out from it. I mailed it. 
in and emailed it. And I was like, there's, there's no way. Sure enough, they were like, wow, you really have a story to tell and we'd love to have you. And what I learned wow. is that the best jobs, the best business opportunities, they usually go to the best storytellers. Because the most memorable human experience, the most memorable human emotion, according to research, is not love. It's not friendship. It's awe. So if you can create a sense of awe for someone, and authentically so, because there's nothing inauthentic about thinking in advance about how you want to present yourself. I think a lot of people have a story that, you know, the Latin uh, root of author, authentic, um, the Latin root reflects the uh, concept of to create. And I think there's nothing fake about creating something. And so for me, it was like, how do I create who I want to be next? This brand is presenting me with an opportunity. So anyone who's listening, I understand the feeling that they're like, I'm drawing a blank. How do I start a brand? I'm in this tuggy feeling, or it's not even a tug. I'm in this two by four where I know I'm in the wrong thing. <laughs> There are some people where they actually love what they're doing and they just need something on the side to stimulate some other part of them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not talking about those people because I think a lot of people, they feel that two by four and they don't want to listen. So I would say, how can you start creating a personal brand? Because here's the thing, personal branding can feel really masculine. You're doing a lot, like you're in masculine energy, you're writing, you're outputting, you're contacting, you're asking, you're pursuing. There's nothing that is very uh, feminine receptivity energy about it. I spent three years committed to that and not focused on money. And I built a personal brand that has carried me through so much. Um, so yeah, as far as the TED Talk went, I remember being backstage. There was all these you know famous people at my TED Talk. It happened to be a huge TEDx event. They all have different licenses and sizes. So mine had 4,000 people. Wow. And I practiced and had panic attacks every night picturing that red dot for three months, <laughs> thinking they would take back my invitation. Yeah. And I got on stage after Guy Kawasaki, who, you know, casual. if you guys don't know him, <laughs> yeah, casual, <laughs> like invested in Apple originally. And the audience was like roaring, you know, like he was a true professional. And I was, and, and it was so healing for me. I remember being backstage and all these CEOs and executives were just as nervous as I was. And it was then that I realized like doubt doesn't mean don't. Like the fear is going to be there anyway. And mm -hmm. so if you're scared right now because you don't like what you're doing, figure out which bucket you're in. Is it that something's just missing and you need some stimulation on the side to fulfill you and you're putting too much pressure on loving your career or loving your business? Because to me, you should really like what you do. I think like 70% is a pretty good number. I think it's pretty toxic that we've put this like do what you love thing on people. A lot of people do love what they do, but that's really special. And yes, we should all strive to like what we're doing even more. But like I said, I think your career is a place to contribute. So I stepped up onto this TED stage. I gave my talk. Um, I gave a more recent TED Talk in the past few years that I think is more of a reflection of me, but I did the best I could. It ended up going viral anyway, and it ended up inviting this mystical energy into my life. And my entire personal brand did that, which is why I'm so passionate about personal branding. Mm -hmm. I ended up attracting opportunities I never would have thought about. It started building my speaking career. As soon as I started going viral, I started getting invitations for lots of talks. I started getting speaking agents reaching out to me, which is incredibly feminine because they get to pitch me for events. I don't have to yeah. do the pursuit anymore. 
um, I started to get offers to write books. Um, and that really built my speaking career. So I would say that's a starting point. Girl, I'm really excited because if you have been wanting to launch a podcast, I've got a really unique opportunity for you. So you may or may not know that I used to host programs monthly, helping podcasters go from idea to actually launching their show. And I did it in a cohort, meaning that there was other women that were also going through the program together. We did live calls. It was super supportive in a really fun way to actually get your podcast launched, learn everything you need to learn, but have the accountability and the community around you while you did it. Well, we stopped those programs at the end of December, but I have literally gotten so many messages from so many of you that really feel passionate that podcasting could be your platform and this could be your thing. So I'm doing one cohort only, which we're announcing right now. It's literally not even going to be on our website, but it is for anyone that wants to launch a podcast by Labor Day. So this particular cohort is starting July 9th, and it will have you launching your podcast by Labor Day. It'll be a group of women. We do group Zoom calls, and you get all the support and resources to actually help you launch this podcast, accountability through a private Facebook group, and you just get to collab and connect with other podcasters. And this is so unique because there's so many podcast courses out there, but none of them are done in this cohort style where you get the support of the course creator myself, plus the rest of the women that are going through all of the feels that come up when you're launching a podcast and you get to bounce ideas off of each other. And I'm super, super involved in helping support you. So this will kick off on July 9th and we'll have July and August to kind of take us through the course content. So you're going at your own pace, but you also have these check-in group Zoom calls so you can get that support and get your questions answered in real time with the goal of launching your show by Labor Day. So if you've been thinking about doing this, this is the only time that I'm doing this course this year, just full transparency. We've got Empower Her Live, our huge event in September, and then Baby Boy is due November 3rd. I'm taking a maternity leave, so I'm not going to be hosting another one of these again. So if you've been thinking about it, I want you to text the word LAUNCH to 512-548-2728. Again, text the word LAUNCH to 512-548-2728. We're going to start enrolling for these spots today for our only cohort taking you from idea or even just like gut feeling of I want to start a podcast, but I don't really know what I want it to be about to actually launching by Labor Day. And if you're questioning like, do I actually know what type of content I'm going to put out there? How am I going to stay consistent? What if I'm really nervous about putting myself out there? Those are all very normal concerns. And we talk all about that in the course. I'm going to give you everything that you need to build a podcast that feels super aligned that you're really excited about. So again, if you're interested, this won't even be on our website. Just head over to the text list and text the word launch. Again, that's launch to 512-548-2728 if you are wanting to launch a podcast by Labor Day. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see who's part of this cohort. And without further ado, let's dive back into the show. Yeah. It's so amazing too, because like the, the moment, even like backing up. It's like you're, you have tear gas in your eyes and you're like, I don't want to be doing this anymore, but I don't know what this, like, I always love to like do a Ted talk. I think like there's a lot of power in you even saying it, right? Because there's all these tactical things, but there are some women listening into this episode right now that they know for sure 
maybe it is a TED talk or it is a podcast they want to launch or a business they want to start. And they know that they want to do it, but it's really easy to give up when it's just your own dream. And you don't say it out loud to anyone. And you said this to this beautiful woman who happens to be, you know, someone who's very connected to Ted, who then made the invitation. And then that was the catalyst for you taking action, even though you felt like you were probably going to like poop your pants and you had so much like fear and panic attacks and all of that stuff. And I think like, dissecting that, like the the first moment of it is for anyone listening in, if you have something that you want to do, you have to tell somebody else because otherwise it's like, like how long, like if you wouldn't have had that first conversation, who knows how long it would have been. Do I think you would have ended up here? Yes, I do. Cause this is what you're supposed to be doing right now, but it's like, who knows? And, and like, it just, I just love that story. And again, it goes back to like, I'm literally sitting here, you know, obviously you can see me like at my kitchen table and I'm just like leaning forward, like, Oh, this is such a good story, which goes into how powerful it is to be good at crafting and sharing your story, whether it is that you want to speak, you want to build a personal brand, which I do agree with you that personal brands are so important, but even for the woman listening into this episode, who is like needing to learn how to tell her story when she's in a job interview of like connecting the dots on her own resume and how powerful that is. So yeah, what, like, so after you did this and you kind of moved into this space even more, like, yeah, where did you find this passion for helping other people like story tell and like get to know themselves on a deeper level? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. Well, I think one of the weirdest things that I started to realize that's like good and not so good news is I feel like personal brands are just as inspirational as they are kind of scary. Like they're like an illusion, right? Like we've seen it before on Instagram. It's like overnight somebody can get like 500,000 followers from entering some weird thing and then they get a verified check mark that they paid for. And then they, you know, they build this following off of that and get business opportunities. Um, so I think personal branding can be just as inspiring as it can be challenging and scary. I think that um, the first thing for anyone who has a resume and is considering a pe- career pivot is remember the basic questions. People miss the basics. So, um, and I want to talk to you also about manifestation because a lot of what you're sharing yes. is manifestation. It's saying, 100%. How can I, that's where I want to go there. next. So I love this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You're so my spirit. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say number one is don't forget the basics. So if some, somebody's going to say to you in an interview, walk me through your resume. Can you walk through your resume? Are you just going to repeat the bullet points? What I would do is I would print it out and in the margin, put an explanation of where you really made an impact. What skill set did you use there that really made an impact that would be relevant for where you're headed? Mm-hmm. And how can you share with them how you magically used that skill set that would be so relevant for where you're headed in every single job? And bonus, if you can quantify it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I have a formula for elevator pitch. Um, It's in every program I've ever created because I just think elevator pitch is really powerful. So and I haven't talked about it in so long. So it's kind of fun that we're talking about it. Yeah. And the first thing is your story. And it should be short because, you know, you don't want to be – it's an elevator pitch. An elevator ride is like 30 seconds. So (laughs) um, most people are pulled into their career either because they had a defining moment in their life or because – there's some sort of link to their childhood. So if I look mm-hmm. at who I was as a kid, I love poetry. I was I was like burning through Shel Silverstein books. Yeah. Um, loved writing, loved artists, loved painting. I've always been a creative. I've always been more of a Shel Silverstein than a Sheryl Stamp- Sandberg, you know? Yeah. And 
I could talk about that in my elevator pitch story. So if somebody says, tell me about yourself and I'm interviewing for like a writing position or even a book deal as a business owner, I can say, you know, I'll never forget being seven years old and reading all of Shel Silverstein's books in a day. Like this is just in my DNA. So that's a wow. story statement. Or that's you could so say, good. hold please, Ashley. That is so <laughs> freaking fire. Because I just Thank literally, you. when you said that, and anyone listening into this, I'm sure this is the first question that came into their head is like, you go back to seven-year-old little girl. And I'm like, I had koala bear case of the talk show where I would interview people all the time. Exactly. And I loved performing and like I'm so curious about people and their stories. And it's like, fast forward, what in the F? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. And keep going so, with your framework. I love it. No, this. I love that you slow me down because you you can see I can just like spew tactics like all day because I'm so into yeah. this stuff. But the other piece of the story is let's say you don't, you look back at your childhood and you're like, this doesn't even make sense, this career that I'm choosing or moving into. Then I would say, mm-hmm. what's the defining moment that you realized it was right for you? Maybe it's that you met someone and you had this conversation and realized they were living your dream. Is there a compelling way to very succinctly share um, you'll never forget meeting this person in Central Park and you ended up striking up a conversation and learned about a whole path that you didn't even realize. And ever since then, you've been so clear that this is the path for you. Or for me, a defining moment at the Pentagon, there were no women in leadership around me. And mm. I remember being at the table and I was a civilian. So going into counterterrorism without war experience, um, I had a graduate degree in war studies, but it, it, it doesn't really pan well in the Department of Defense. So Um, I remember having to find like a defining moment story when I pivoted into a career coaching business. So what that looked like for me was, okay, how do I say, you know, there was a define, I used to work in counterterrorism and I had this defining moment where I looked around the room and there were no women there. And that was when I knew I wanted to be career coaching and helping people break glass ceilings. Mm -hmm. And even though I've been coaching a lot of people on booking Ted talks right now, like I've been career coaching for so many years And that defining moment made so much sense for people. I made sense for them on why I left counterterrorism and I do what I do. So I think anyone can do that. You just need to maybe have a friend or have a conversation about it. Um, The second part of an elevator pitch is your cuff. So the cuff is there. I say I made it up. It's called the cuff because it's quick. There's a very fine line between shining a spotlight on an insecurity and addressing a weakness. So what I mean by that is... Let's say that your application doesn't make sense and you still got the interview and you know that you're pivoting into something totally out of left field. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I would tell you to make a personal brand around the left field thing so that it does make sense for people. Yeah. But um, that's where you want to use your cuff. So maybe you want to address a looming question in the mind of the other person, whether it's an interviewer, a business opportunity, and a decision maker. You want to ask yourself, are they doubting me for some reason? How -hmm. can I address this doubt briefly? So that they don't leave the interview because you can't expect people to ask you about their doubts. Some people just sit with their doubts about you. Yeah. So let's say you have a gap on your resume. You can say something like, you know, um, I took some time out of the workforce to reflect and that's why I'm so excited to be here. I'm really clear that this is the next move for me. Or saying, I took some time out of the workforce because I had a health issue and I'm so happy to be healthy and 100% ready to work now. So it's just being quick and then moving forward um, and tying these pieces together after that, it's the skill. What is the skill? Like if all everything you knew was a bowl of cherries and you could hand it over to an employer or a business opportunity, what is the one skill that you think is the most magical thing that you have that they want? Um, so in counterterrorism, it's pattern recognition. I took an IQ test. 
my IQ is pretty strong for pan, pan, uh, pattern recognition. So I remember saying, you know, I just took an IQ test and I was really excited about my score because it just shows me I'm in the right space. I'm able to recognize a lot of patterns. That was what they wanted to hear from me. That was what I handed them. And like I said, authenticity, author, creation, there's nothing inauthentic about thinking about this elevator pitch before you write it and mm-hmm. sitting with this elevator pitch and preparing for somebody to say, tell me about you and yes. for you to be intentional in what you share. And the oh, final piece is the power so piece, good. which is the goal. That's saying, um, so let's say you're at a networking event. Your goal is to get job opportunities. You can say, you know, at the moment, I'm looking to transition into a new business development role at a tech company. Let's say you're at a networking event and you want more PR. At the moment, I'm looking to get more PR for my business. Um, whatever it is, putting it out there, like you were saying, Keisha, is so huge. Um, yeah. But those are the four crucial steps to an elevator pitch. That is so effing good, Ashley, because it's like, I think we all need that. Whether it's you're an entrepreneur trying to just like get yourself out there and connect with the right people. Like we talk often on, uh, about on this podcast, like finding people in your community that look more like the direction of where you're headed rather than just where you've been and expanders in your life. And it's like, if you're not willing to take the time to sit down, connect the dots on your own career, you know, and find what it is that you're looking for doing next or who you want to collaborate, it's going to make the networking so much less advantageous and also just not not building the real relationships that you actually want. And then on a career side of it, it's like, if you can connect these dots, you're going to be so far ahead of other applicants that aren't doing this from a storytelling perspective because people are hiring people. And sometimes you forget that. Right? I it's know. Like, I think that all the time. They're a human being and it's about, it's not just about your resume. It's do they like you? Do they want to be emailing with you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like really not forgetting that we're dealing with humans and likability and connection yeah. um, and being memorable. And I think being able to succinctly go through your resume, share results that relate to where you're going, like we talked about, mm-hmm. um, or if you're a business owner, being able to succinctly put together an elevator pitch, be prepared in a networking event to be able to say, this is what I'm looking for. This is what's um, connected me to my career is really, really powerful. I've gotten so many opportunities and it's really great because it's not ASCII. You're not saying, can you get me PR? You're saying, I'm looking to do this. And it invites people in, in a non-threatening way to offer if they want yes. and they don't, if they don't have to. I'm the type of person that offers if I feel like I'm dealing with a smart, competent, hardworking person in front of me, why wouldn't I offer to help? Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's really what makes the world go around. And, you know, you don't need to go to networking events anymore. We live in a world where there's meetup.com and there's Eventbrite, virtual events, mm-hmm. um, Facebook groups. I just moved to Palm Beach and found a Facebook group, um, of women in Palm Beach. So it's like, yeah. you can just find groups anywhere and, uh, fearlessly put yourself out there. Um, yeah. when I moved to Palm Beach, I actually made an eight person dinner reservation two months out. And I told myself, I'm going to fill all seven of those remaining chairs with new people. I love and that. And so my elevator pitch was having a dinner party. Oh, I'm having a dinner party and I'm looking for like female entrepreneurs that want to connect with other ones in the area. So if that's you, like you should totally come. And everybody gets excited just having a date and a time on the calendar. Like, great. Where? I'm like, the reservation is at this place on this date. Great. I'll be there. Okay. Now I have six more spots to fill. So I think this that, elevator actually, is so that powerful. is really helpful for people that, because there's also a lot of women listening into this that are looking for these strong female friendships, right? And sometimes it's like, they're waiting for an invitation. They're sitting and waiting or like, they're not, they're not going. Cause I'm huge on like physical, like obviously there's lots of no. Facebook groups and online virtual groups, but the physical yeah. connection is like next level, which is why yeah. I love doing yeah. like retreats and events and all of that. Yeah. But it's like you calling your shot on like, I'm making a dinner reservation and I'm going to find people to fill this. Like, 
for the woman listening into this, who's telling herself, like, I wish I had these deep connections with like female friends. Like I wish that I had people that were around me. It's like, you can be the one to go first and call your shot on this. And I think that's a beautiful example of doing that. Like, Mm. but having the time and date locked in, it's like, now you're holding yourself accountable. You've got more skin in the game to actually do it rather than this, you know, hypothetical, I'd love to have more female friends around me. Like that's juicy. And yeah, I was just thinking about like all of the, you know, events that I go to in person. And for a lot of people listening into this, you know, like the hundreds of women that are coming to empower her live in September, where it's like, imagine if you use this type of framework to just get a good feeling of what your own personal story is and what you're looking for. Not from like a networking space. Cause if anyone that just heard you explain that it's so storytelling, it's so feminine, it's so flowy and it feels really good for you to just articulate what is it that you want, even if it's, I don't know what I want, right? It's like, right. I'm, I'm working in this area. I'm thinking about making a pivot, doing X, Y, Z. Like people grasp onto that. And there's also exactly. a lot of people that we forget that genuinely, truly get joy and fulfillment, you and I being two of them, from helping people that have, you can feel that it's a genuine intention that they have and they're willing to call their shot even when they don't know the how, right? Yes. God, yes. I freaking love people like that. <laughs> it's I love it too. And I feel like people are so grateful for you because a lot of people are not initiators yes. and they want to be invited to things like this. Mm-hmm. I actually like bit off way more than I thought I could chew. And I totally manifested an entire dinner party when I moved to Florida. <laughs> so I met a girl on an airplane who was afraid of flying and we became friends. And later in our conversation, she said her dream is to become a chef. She's great at Tex-Mex. And I was like, I'm hosting a dinner party. It was going to be at a restaurant, these eight people. Yeah. But now I kind of want to do it at a house. Are you available on this date? And would you want to test out your chef skills and I'll buy all the food? So now I have a dinner party with a chef and and a TBD location. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then then my goal in my elevator pitch was I'm looking for a place that's complimentary to host a dinner party for female entrepreneurs. And then my new friend was like, oh my gosh, I have the best house for that. I've been dying to entertain. So now I have this great house, a chef. All I have to do is buy the food. And, and, and then my brother was like, your birthday's coming. I'll buy the food. So now I'm just hosting a dinner party for a bunch of people. Um, and so That's I just amazing. think you can make art of your life and you can mm-hmm. make art of networking. And I think what's so cool about women supporting each other is we're, we're all working on our brands. We're all working on our businesses, our careers, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And when we just get together, we invite something really powerful to happen through just putting out there what we're looking for if it's low-hanging fruit for somebody else to be helpful with. Yes. Okay. We have to jam on that for just a second because this is a huge thing that I get questions about often is curating like strong female friendships in general. And you have done this with women all across the country and like, you know, even globe, but like what do you think has been the most helpful for you to find those like-minded friends or people that look like the direction that you're headed or that you can have these very expansive conversations for women right now that might be in the situation where they have a lot of proximity friends and not yeah. dissing proximity friends or people that you've known for a lot of a time. No. But sometimes we put a lot of weight on tenure when we were having the same conversations over and over again and we were feeling kind of stuck by our friendship. So like, what has been helpful for you in that regard? Yeah, that's such a great question. I would say, okay, first of all, having worked in the intelligence world, I was literally trained on intuition. So I have some like a little bit of bonuses there for myself to be able to feel people. Yeah. Um, But here's what I'll say. Not all women, and I hate that I'm saying it, but it feels true for me. Not all women know how to be a friend. And 
Um, obviously if this was a podcast on how to be a friend, we could just go forever on it. But I would say your job is to really choose people that know how to be a friend. So what Mm -hmm. does that mean? Obviously you need to be a friend in order to have a friend. Um, for me, first thing is safety. And that comes from my own wounding. Um, with a lot of my girlfriends, I try to earn secure attachment from them. What does that mean? That means understanding what their wounds are. Um, I have a friend who was bullied in middle school and she has a thing with not being included and feeling like people are talking about her. Mm -hmm. So whenever there's an event happening, I always make a, a point to say, Hey, and if, if there's a reason she can't come because somebody invited me and I'm not in a position to invite someone, Hey, so-and-so invited me to an event next week. I don't know if you know that person, but I just don't want you to feel left out. That is a way of earning somebody's secure attachment. So people who you love in your life, being able to ask yourself, where are their wounds? Where are they working on their healing? And how can I be tender to it? It's not about being codependent and tiptoeing. It's Mm -hmm. about being mindful of where people are working. Um, That makes you safe and other people who can do that safe. Um, I also think there's standards. Yeah. Like, you know, um, there's a lot of women that if they cut people off really easily, I get really curious, like, what's the reason? Cause that's a trauma response. And I understand we all have trauma, but I like to ask people about their other friends. Like, who are your other friends? Where are they? And I'm, I'm not judging anyone, but I'm curious genuinely because when I really like someone, like, I'm like, okay, who are you? Because I want to feel safe with you. So you know, all of us have different priorities, but I would say safety is huge, like feeling emotionally safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes from really being mindful of each other's wounds and and making someone else feel like it's okay to be them. Wow. I didn't think you were going to go that direction. And I freaking love that you did. Thank you. Because I do really think that that's so important and it helps us you know, so often we want to point the finger at other people, but it helps us flip that finger back around, point it at ourselves, and say like, what can I own in this? And to your point, it's not a codependency or like a tiptoeing around people thing, but it's more being sensitive to the people that you genuinely care about, like understanding their motives and also understanding like how they were raised and like the hard stuff that they've been through. And how can you be a supportive friend? Because so often, you know, a lot of women that listen into the show are podcasters or entrepreneurs. And I've noticed this pattern and we've talked about it on the show where you know, sometimes they're like, I wish this person supported me, but yeah. maybe your friend that's a nurse who isn't an entrepreneur like you doesn't feel like you're even showing up for her, asking her what's going on in her world, but you're expecting that she shows up for you that way. So I love yeah. the reciprocity of that. And it's just like such yeah. a genuine, real curiosity, but also like a very intentional perspective about it, which love, love, love. I mean, there's not a lot of women walking around thinking like, okay, I really like this girl. I wonder where her biggest and deepest pains and traumas are so (laughs) that I don't have to trigger them, you know? Seriously. I think creating that, because some people are so fun and whimsical and exciting, but you might not feel safe around them. So I think safety is the basis. Yes. Um, And I do think safety, um, I think trust is built on giving and receiving, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going to give you something and you're going to give me back something and I trust that you're here for me. So yeah. I think being able to share honestly about who you are. And remember, there's a there's a line between what's personal and what's private. Mm-hmm. And not everybody deserves to hear your story until you really feel like they're your friend. Well, and it's like the Brene Brown, like marble jar analogy, right? Yeah. Where it's like you're contributing these marbles to this jar. But when you have a like a depth, like connection with someone where you're getting really to like their core. It's like, that is such a fast way to add so much trust rather than just like the repetition of tiny little things. It is like a really deep connection that can happen really quickly, which is also why you hear, 
you know, even like in your relationship, it's like you meet someone later in life when you know who you are and you know what you're looking for friendships or in like, you know, interpersonal relationships or in a relationship with someone you're dating. It's like, it can happen pretty quickly when you know yourself. And that's what this whole podcast and this community is all about, right? It's like the self-awareness piece. So love that. Okay. One last thing I want to ask you about, because there might be women in this community that are interested in this. So we touched on the fact, like all of your experience with Ted, but like right now you have built, like, tell them what you've done because it's really freaking epic of like helping women with Ted talk. Like give, give us the whole thing that you're doing right now. So I gave a TED talk right before the pandemic. And in my soul, I was like, I know in my whole soul, this is going to go viral. And it wasn't from ego. It was like, this is my best work. And what I've learned about TED is it's very simple to go viral. Maybe not easy, but simple. You simply give your best talk of your life. (laughs) So I wrote, I worked really hard on what I had to say to really share with the audience. It didn't go viral when it hit the internet. It hid and died in some quarter of the internet. And then I was so confused. I remember thinking like, I knew this was going to do well. Why didn't it? Next thing I knew, six months later, it randomly started going viral and it's never stopped since. Wow. So um, now we have over 8 million views. We're a top 100 TED Talk on the internet. And it Wait, translated- what's it called in- for people that want to go check it out? I mean, I'll put it in the show notes yeah. too, but yeah. It's called How to Figure Out What You Really Want. And it opens up with my dad getting a call when he's in the kitchen with somebody saying that they kidnapped me. I so mean, right now everyone's go- okay. Listen to the rest yeah. of the podcast and then go watch that. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's the thing. So that t- talk lends itself to people reaching out to me to write TED talks. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew some curators who were having a lot of success booking people on TED talks, but the success really rides on a well written speech. You have to have a really good speech written to get booked, and a lot of people are pitching themselves without a speech written because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work to write a great speech. So. Um, I wrote with my partner um, 40 speeches last year, and we booked 39 of those people on the TED stage. Okay, hold, and- because I think it's really easy to brush over that. That is really high percentage. I can't do that fast on the fly. Okay, yeah. 97. Thank you. I knew you would have a math yeah. brain. I know. Damn, I'm not girl. a math person. Yeah. it's It's been really fulfilling because if you're making a pivot, if you're building a brand, you're building a business, I think the TED um, brand credibility is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm Michelle Silverstein. I'm not a Sheryl Sandberg. So yeah. I just get to be writing, 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 helping people tell their story. And most of my private coaching now has been around, let's write your TED Talk. Let's book you on the stage. And we can almost guarantee the booking. We don't say guarantee because it's scary to say it, but yeah. 97.5% success And um, it's been really, really beautiful to see all of these talks go on the internet and to kind of be the person behind them telling their story has been really fulfilling. I'm so effing proud of you. And I'm so grateful for this work that you're doing. And I'm so excited that I'm going to personally work with you because I also just think, I just really think that there are so many women and some that are listening into this right now that this is a dream that they have. And they just, they're struggling with the structure part of it. And like, anyone that's listened to this entire episode, it's like the way that your brain works, Ashley, like you are in your lane right now and you're so tactical and you're so just thoughtful and intentional. And I freaking love that so much. So if anyone is interested in that particular like service that you have too, how can they connect with you about that? Yeah. um, My website, ashleystall.com has all the things, but um, the application specifically is at ashleystall.com slash talk. Um, I try to take on 40 people a year caps. Um, I work with some really cool speechwriters, but I do most of it on my own because I love it. Yeah. And I would love to hear from you. And let me know if you heard about me from this podcast. 
Um, and I want to give you uh, some $2,000 off over the next two weeks if you reach out, just to oh make gosh. sure. You're so that awesome. Helpful. You're so Why awesome. Not? Um, seriously, thank you so much for all of this. And I'm really excited because we'll just tell them now that you're also going to be at Empower Her Live in yeah. September. And, you know, we were chatting about this because, like, you know, the last 45 minutes, people can attest to the fact that it's like, you are so great at breaking things down. And I think sometimes we need just like those tactical little pieces because we get excited, we get hyped up, yeah. we, you know, especially in a room with like hundreds of women. It's like, we're so passionate. We've got all these connections. We feel like we've got the support, but like, what are the steps to do to right. craft a story, to know how to do like our elevator pitch and to really know like what is next for us? Like listening to yeah. that two by four, because I do yeah. agree with you. I'm like the two by four is what gets my ass on my bathroom floor where I'm exactly like, ugly crying. Um, I just think you're such a gift to this world and thank you so, so much. Also, please tell them the name of your book and how to find your podcast. Cause obviously they're podcast listeners. So they need to go you're check out your show too. My book is called U-Turn, Y-O-U, Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. It's all about figuring out your next move, figuring out who you are in your career. And my podcast is called U-Turn Podcast, same name. Um, and I'm just so honored to be here. And I, you're so good at this, Keisha. Like, I don't think this is all me. I think you really know how to pull information out of people. And what a gift. Everybody gets to have you being you and sharing this. And this Aww. is the power of what it looks like when you're yourself. Oh, I just love you. Thank you so much yeah, for being on the show. I appreciate you, girl. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a girlfriend. Like, send it to her right now. Or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. I am so freaking grateful to be on this journey with you, girl. So until next time, I'll talk to you soon.